0: Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. i got a panel and a show for you today, but I have to tell you, as I always do, this is our longest-running Game Changers series ever. Welcome to Season 10 of Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio, presented, of course, by SAP. If you want to run with the Game Changers, come on, you already know it. This is where the best run. I have an interesting topic today, and I have a stellar panel. Can't wait to introduce them to you. So let me get started with the topic. I have a quick quote here from McKinsey.com. Listen up. As companies craft their responses to the COVID 19 crisis, CFOs are in the thick of the action. They need to make sure their organizations weather the immediate business shocks while preparing them to emerge from the crisis in the best possible shape. That gives us a picture. That paints a picture. The role of CFOs. We've been talking about that role for years and years on this show. We've been talking that the CFOs aren't just doing spreadsheets and they aren't just looking back at past results. They are the stewards of the business. They should be. They're involved in planning. They're involved in real-time insights. Very important Important. So, let me give you a little more background and then we'll hear from our guests today. As we move to what is hopefully the beginning of the end of the global pandemic, and yes, we're here live March, what is it, 23rd, 2021, there is some light at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to see a little peak of light there. Companies are gearing up to regain strength as we hopefully expect the economy to rebound. We're seeing a little bit of it now. More than ever, the role of the CFO continues to expand as resources and finance and risk teams must stay in lockstep with the business So we've been doing all along to anticipate and guide strategy to help companies during the economic recovery. Cash management is a key aspect of ensuring. I'm going to talk to the audience. Your company has the financial resources to thrive through optimization of working capital, cash flow, and the close with real-time insight. And there's that word, real-time. So I have Anthony Coletta here at SAP. Welcome, Anthony, first-time guest on Game Changers. We're so happy and honored to have you here. Molly Boyle at Blackline. Molly has been on many, many shows over the years. She's waving. If you're seeing this video after the fact, we're not live streaming, but the video will be posted somewhere by someone and another newcomer, Luke Carlson at Carlson Cash. And we're going to talk to them about quick wins to drive value for CFOs in the post-pandemic business world. It's a big topic, and we have three very big thought leaders to join us today. So, welcome. I am Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. Quick shout-out to Birgit Starman's at SAP for organizing this topic and panel. Uh, shout-out to Emily Fuss, who is listening in the background, for working with Anthony to get him here. And Anthony's smiling. Emily's doing a really good job getting him all set up. And uh, thank you also to Chris Grundy and Pros Chatterjee, who, with Birgit Starman's co sponsor this long-running series. Happy to have you all here. We've actually been able… Anthony, I think could get a kick out of this. We've been able to make finance an exciting topic because not only is this our longest running series, it is our most popular series. And I still think people think they're going to get advice on how to balance their checkbook or I don't know how to get the, the cheapest gas prices somewhere. But Financial Excellence with Game Changers is extremely popular around the world because we've been presenting the human side of so many interesting finance topics in every company. Money's the bottom line, but I'm talking too much. Let me put you on... One speaker, Anthony Coletta, welcome. So happy to have you here. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself to our audience? Anthony.
2: Hi, Bonnie, and thanks for the great introduction. It's a pleasure to to be with you, and it's an exciting topic. Um, Yeah, so I'm the CFO of North America region at SAP. Um, I'm uh, leading the the largest region uh, of the company, which represents more or less one-third of our business uh, globally. And uh, I've been in that role for three years now and uh, been a CFO for many years in, in prior capacities, regional CFOs, market unit CFO. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I saw a lot of evolution on the business front, on the finance front, and I'm, I'm also part of the global finance leadership team at SAP and driving the transformation of our own uh, finance organization, but also of uh, driving the innovation for finance. So, We've been on the forefront of uh, innovation in finance, but we've been also transforming and evolving a lot. Um, And in parallel to that, you might know that we've been through a a significant business shift and and transformation with uh, many acquisitions and also innovation on the cloud front. So um, a lot going on, I would say, but uh, yeah, good uh, finance background. And uh, just uh, in terms of um, my education, I'm an economist by education, and um, I'm coming originally from uh, Europe, as you can hear, uh, and um, moved over the years through different countries and live in five different countries uh, throughout my career. Uh, so now I'm uh, leading a great organization that is really focusing on the growth and on the disruption of the market on, on the battleground, obviously, uh, of the cloud economy.
1: Thank you, Anthony. Very happy to have you here. And you've lived in five countries. Do you speak multiple languages, I have to ask? Yes. You want to tell us? You, can you say hello? I'm sorry, we didn't plan this. Can you say hello in a couple of different languages? I'd love that, Anthony.
2: Bonjour à tous. Uh, ciao à tutti, And uh, willkommen Suzanne.
1: Thank you very much, and hello, good morning to you as well. Thank you, Anthony, delighted to have you. Molly Boyle, you've been on the show so many times, I I hate to say you could probably run it, but I'm not going to let you do that. Molly, in case there are five people around the world who don't remember who you are, shame on them, but talk
3: to those five people and reintroduce (laughs) yourself. Molly Boyle, welcome. Thanks so much for having me back, Bonnie. Uh, Always a pleasure. Um, Yeah, Molly Boyle here. I come from a pretty traditional accounting background for those of you uh, accounting folks and CPAs out there. Um, Sort of grew up in the public and corporate accounting world, spent about the first 15 uh, years of my career working in pretty traditional financial close roles, public accounting and audit roles, and was lucky enough to find my way to Blackline. I really sort of became a a nerd about accounting and process optimization in the early years of my career. And so, I've spent the past three years or so working on helping, you know, improve processes, find new and better ways of doing things. And so, I've been fortunate to work with lots of companies and also work really closely with SAP over the past several years to just find innovative ways to do traditional accounting work. So, Super excited to be back!
1: Thank you very much, Molly. Always a pleasure to have you. You were on one of my prediction specials at the end of last year, weren't you? I was. That was that fun. was very well received. We uh, I did those on my technology revolution, the future of now series, and we live streamed, I think, to Facebook. I wasn't. We weren't uh, live streaming on uh, LinkedIn yet, and that got a lot of views. So we had a panel of I think twelve people that day. And by the way, Anthony and Luke, I'm warning you, at the end of 2021, you'll be invited to the year-end prediction special, and you each get about <laughs> four or five minutes, and, and the Zoom screen is filled, and it's a lot of fun. We go around with predictions. You get about four minutes each, and it's a lot of fun. Luke Carlson, let's prepare you for that. Let's hear from you now. Luke, welcome. You're a newcomer to Game Changers. Very happy to have you here. And would you do me the honor, please, of introducing yourself? Go ahead, Luke. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thanks, Thanks, Bonnie. I'm really happy to be here, really looking forward to today's show. So I'm managing partner at Carlson Cash. I'm a self-proclaimed SAP Treasury nerd. Um, You know, so we focus exclusively on SAP Treasury and cash management implementations. So anything related to uh, SAP Treasury, cash management and electronic banking, that's where we focus.
1: And what's your background? How did you get there?
0: Um, Yes, I started about 15 years ago uh, in the SAP Treasury space and kind of fell Mm -hmm. in love with it and have been doing it ever since.
1: And what, what appeals to you, Luke, that you're in the business? You started a business five years nope. ago. You told me what appeals to you so much about finance that you wanted to start your own company working with finance? What's what's the attraction? Is it exciting? Yeah, you know, well I
0: think I've I've always been interested in the you know the, the technology side of finance and really interested in 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 the finance side. And so I think it kind of takes technology and finance and merges that together. And I just you know, find it really interesting.
1: Thank you very much. Nice to have you here. And now this is the part. Thank you. This is the part of the show where my guests have sent me, graciously sent me a music or a movie quote or a TV show quote. We've got some real good ones here today. Anthony Coletta has introduced me to the name of a band I've been listening to for years and I didn't even know who they were. I was telling him I like the song so well, I sent some clips to my drum teacher and I said, let's put this on the practice list for this week. The band is Daft Punk. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. There's all kinds of... Uh, pronunciation notes here on the Wikipedia listing. A French electronic music duo formed in Paris in 1993 by Guy Manuel de Homem Christo and Thomas Balgarter. Often considered one of the most influential acts in dance music history, they achieved popularity in the late 90s as part of the French house music movement. They combine elements of house music with funk, techno, disco, indie rock, and pop. That's more than you all need to know. And here are the lyrics to the song Anthony has sent, and I'll tell you what the line has said. The lyrics are, I know you don't get a chance to take a break this often. I know your life is speeding and it isn't stopping. Here, take my shirt. And just go ahead and wipe up all the sweat, sweat, sweat. Lose yourself to dance. Lose yourself to dance. Anthony, how many times do I have to say it? Lose yourself. It's five times. Anthony, I love the quote. Love the song. The music's great. Please tell us what in the world this has to do with our topic today. (laughs) Anthony. Help me out
2: here. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so when, when you ask for a song, this, this is one on my playlist, so I I, sung, uh, I, I thought it would be a good pick. Uh, I like the, um, the, the mix of uh, the electro side of it, but also they, do a lot, they did a lot of collabs over the years, and this one is with Kyle Williams on the vocals and Nile Rodgers on, on the guitar, so I like the combination of the three. And it's, uh, I mean, it gives good vibes, and I think we need good vibes. We need some energy up. Uh, and uh, so what, what I like is that it evokes uh, the sense of being uh, um, united and connected to each other. So it's an invitation also to, uh, to go outside of your comfort zone. And um, um, so the connection to our topic today, I would say is, is twofold uh, on one end, it's uh, obviously the projection of an, a world where you can still engage and go beyond. Boundaries and keep building bridges and and uh, being together. So that's something uh, I'm looking forward to. To again, uh, you know, meet with each other and and being together. Uh, and the other aspect of it, which uh, which I like, is uh, I think on the finance side, we will need to interact uh, more and more outside of finance with the business with. Uh, with our stakeholders, with our customers and partners. Uh, so I, I like also the, the analogy of, you know, going outside your comfort zone. And, and, uh, and obviously, uh, it's speeding up. Uh, so we need to uh, making sure that, that we cope with that. But Anthony, I like the good vibe and the energy that I wanted to project.
1: I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody analogize dance to finance. And that's <laughs> Anthony, I have to ask, are you a dancer? Do you enjoy dancing? Yes, I,
2: I love listening uh, music and I love g- a good sound like the ones from Daft Punk. I think they have a lot of hits uh, with a very good sound that is very special.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. We we like to make our panelists very real, authentic people. And Anthony, we've just given a side of you that most people may not know about. So thank you for sharing that with us. Molly Boyle has sent us a quote from uh, Rafiki, the old baboon with the mandrill markings, voiced by Robert Guillaume, to Simba. I think you all know where I'm going with this. The young lion who grows up to be king of the Pride Lands, voiced by Matthew Broderick. And of course, the movie is The Lion King, 1994 animated musical drama. produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation. This is the 32nd Disney animated film. I didn't know that. And I don't know if you know it, Molly, you probably do, but the original songs were composed by Elton John and Tim Rice with a score by Hans Zimmer. Does it get any better than that? And voices in the movie include Matthew Broderick, James Earl Jones, Jeremy Irons. uh, Let me see name, Nathan Lane. I'm looking Robert Guillaume, Madge Sinclair, Whoopi Goldberg, Cheech Marin, and Jim Cummings. And we know most of those people. Here's the line. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Molly, how did you find this great quote? Talk to me. (laughs)
3: Well, first of all, I think this is the first time I've been on the show and not used some sort of sports or baseball quote, so I decided to go a little different direction. <laughs> Maybe that's the influence of being home for a year with a four- and a seven-year-old. Uh, <laughs> a lot of Disney happening here here in this house. Um, but I thought this quote was perfect, honestly, after you know the year that we've all lived, right? We can, we can run for, from it or we can learn from it. I thought that was pretty fitting but also just generally speaking even if you put 2020 behind us which i think we're all very excited to do i think as i you know spend a lot of time with controllers and come from a controllership background myself there's a definite tie-in to sort of a a traditional way of doing things or the way we've always done it um, as it relates to our closing processes and really a lot of financial processes and so you know, oftentimes folks can have a hesitation to move away mm-hmm. from something that frankly has worked. Mm-hmm. You know, not a lot of companies that I've worked with have had major, major issues or restatements, but they've had these processes that they know are kind of old and probably could be better. Um, but there's a there has been a hesitation for so long about really transforming and being innovative, right? Yeah. Accounting probably isn't an area you think of and think, ooh, innovation. <laughs> um, but I think there's a lot of learning that's come out of the last year and really the last several years where there's now sort of a renewed excitement and opportunity for us to learn from the past and to shape a different future. So thought that was a relevant quote today. It's
1: a great quote. Thank you. And you mentioned innovation is not something that's been linked to uh, finance. And Anthony, you mentioned innovation several times in your introduction. And that's what we're looking for is to get people excited about the opportunities in the field. And it's no longer just looking back and filling out a spreadsheet. I think that that ship sailed quite a few years ago. So thank you both. Luke Carlson, you're up next. And Luke has sent us one of our favorite quotes forever, ever, and ever. Dr. Emmett Brown is play Emmett Lathrop, Doc Brown, fictional character in the Back to the Future franchise. He's the inventor of the time machine built out of a 1981 DeLorean sports car, played by, of course, Christopher Lloyd in all three films in the Back to the Future franchise. American science fiction adventure, that's sci-fi to all of us, adventure comedy film series 1985, 89, and 1990. And that was back in the day when Michael J. Fox was Michael J. Fox before he had his challenges. So, here is the quote Luke has selected from Back to the Future roads. Where we're going, we won't need roads. We don't need roads. That's more definitive. Luke, talk to me. How'd you find this one? Go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I have to say I'm a big Back to the Future fan. I've always loved Back to the Future, um, and I'm a big car guy. So you know, I you know, I always was drawn to the movie because of the car, the DeLorean. Um, so I think you know, it's really tough to predict, especially in the finest technology space, where we're going tomorrow, where we're going to be a year from now, where we're going to be five years from now. Uh, the technology is changing so rapidly in the finance space i think many times it's easy to fall back on the past you know it's it's, it's easy to fall back on this is the way we've always done it we've always done it this way this is the way we should plan for the future but i think a lot of times it's looking towards the future realizing what you know what that future is and it's maybe something we've never even thought of before so i think that's you know that's kind of the tie-in um you know and how it relates to finance technology i think that there's you know there's there there's different ways of doing things we've never even thought of um and it's kind of opening our mind to the the new ways of doing things and new technology
1: thank you very much very interesting yes new and fresh and innovative and disruptive these anthony would you say that these are new terms in the past couple of years about finance talking about shaking things up and looking forward in real time this is something that people have been in the field for a long time probably were a little scared of what do you think anthony
2: Yes, uh, definitely, and um, I mean the real-time element is something that was already, uh, you know, used broadly, uh, but I think it became very real, so to say, because then the stress test that we had to go through um, was really, uh, you know, pressure testing the system and pressure, you know, pressuring the uh, the innovation that you needed to have to have really real-time insight and uh,
1: action. Thank you. It sounds like it would attract a lot of people who might not have thought of a finance career five years ago, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. So this is the part of the show. Thank you for that, Anthony. I like a little sidebar sometimes. I like to pick the thought leadership brain of my panelists. So we're gonna go to the part of the show that's the formal round table. My panelists have graciously sent me four discussion statements each. And we're going to start with Anthony Coletta. And Anthony sent me the following statement. It's long and it's wonderful. I'm just gonna read a little (laughs) bit. And Anthony, no, I like that, Anthony, because you're educating me as the moderator. I get to know what's on your mind. So I'm going to read just the first two sentences, uh, actually the first uh, two sentences. And then I'm going to ask you to expand it. Take your time with it, Anthony, about three minutes. And then we will ask Molly to agree or disagree. Molly, it's okay to disagree a little bit with Anthony, but not mm. a lot. I've never said that. And then Luke, you get to talk to both of them, <laughs> agree or disagree. So here's what Anthony said. Increased focus on digital transformation will be required by CFOs in 2021. We're already in mar- up to March. One red thread connecting all resilient companies that effectively navigated the pandemic was was a digital platform that allowed them to turn around new business models faster. And that was really the mantra that got companies to keep going and survive the shutdowns and the pandemic. Anthony, please take your time, expand us, unpack it, as they say in the news. Go ahead.
2: Sure. Yes. Uh, and, um Obviously, uh, we, we saw the digital transformation cycle already that was, you know, top of mind for many finance leaders, uh, but we saw that acceleration and that trend acceleration that we keep hearing everywhere. Actually, in in, in, um, in uh, for innovation, it actually accelerated one full cycle, so it went really years ahead, very quickly. So what you needed during that uh, um, period where, Everyone was remote. You have to run your processes digitally, et cetera. It was really to be fully digital and to be real about it. So it was not so much about strategy and talk, et cetera. You needed to have that one digital platform to execute on it. You needed to be true about the strategy. And I think that was, again, that was a proof point for many organizations. And you needed to have also quick access to data. You needed to have, um, the experience included in anything you do. Uh, so you, we've seen a lot of industries being disrupted, obviously, and they keep, uh, you know, being disrupted today. And those that differentiate themselves are those that have that are the one digital platform that were the most integrated, also in terms of their processes. Those that were offering simple processes also. So the complexity was not a good thing to have in the middle of a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously also those that deliver really either quick value or a different experience. And I think there's a lot of focus on that still going on where you can differentiate yourself with uh, some you know, element of experience, but some element also of integration in the end-to-end process. And we have many examples. I mean, we often hear about e-commerce. That's a prominent example and a disruption mm-hmm. in that sector and how everyone shifted very quickly to our digital buying experience. Uh, but then you need to, once you pass that, you need first to deliver on that, but then you need to engage differently and sustain that. Um, And I think now we are in a period where you need to sustain what you have been probably achieving successfully. And uh, for those that were resilient, I think that was that key element of differentiation, but that will evolve and continue to uh, be a differentiator if you are able to sustain that. And for that, you need really one solid platform. From my perspective, it's true in finance, but it's true across uh, the landscape and the value chain.
1: Thank you, Anthony. Interesting. I picked up one, one, two words together I haven't heard before. Sustainable resilience. What an interesting concept. Be resilient, but keep it going. It will serve mm-hmm. you well going. Thank you. Very good point. Mm-hmm. I've already agreed with Anthony, but I'm not a panelist. So, <laughs> you know, so don't take my lead for that. <laughs> Molly Boyle, I'm putting you on speaker view, dear. Please talk to Anthony. Do you agree or disagree with anything or everything he said? Go ahead, Molly
3: yeah i i think I agree with just about everything um and i and i i i mean that honestly i i uh i truly agree i think a couple of things that i would would add just some thoughts of my own that that expand on this topic are you know first of all i think digital transformation before twenty twenty was a buzzword in a lot of ways, right? It was something mm-hmm. people were interested in. It was something people were talking about. And some companies were really, truly embracing. But for a lot of people, they, they wanted to be a part of it, see what it was like. Maybe they would dip their toe in. <laughs> but they weren't truly embracing this concept of, of becoming a digital company, of, you know, building sustainable and agile processes. And I think I might have even mentioned it on the prediction show before, My favorite meme of the uh, of the pandemic was the one with the wrecking ball coming into to the corporate office. And the wrecking ball was, you know, COVID really coming in to say, hey, it's time. You know, this is the compelling event that is going to make you, instead of dipping your toe in, jump in with both feet. So I Mm -hmm. think, you know, that's that's true for sure. The other thing I think is interesting is. Um, relative to sort of resilience, a lot of CFOs and a lot of, you know, companies in general, the good news was they were able to kind of manage through that initial shock and disruption. And they kind of came out the other side, especially in the office of the CFO saying, <laughs> hey, look at us. We did it. <laughs> you know, we we closed the books and we we completed our forecast and we shifted to working remotely. But the real differentiators and the leading companies out there were the ones that didn't just survive that already had the processes in place where they could Mm -hmm. quickly shift their capacity and the way they were spending their time to think about those things. Anthony mentioned, you know, new business models, reinventing how they go to market, you know, entering new industries and, and embracing new ways of working. The companies that just got by, they weren't able to make Mm -hmm. that shift as quickly. And so I think, um, you know, digital transformation for them is much more top of mind than it previously was.
1: Thank you. All great points, Molly. Luke Carlson, you're up next. You get to talk to Anthony and or to Molly. So go ahead, Luke, I'm putting you on speaker view.
0: So, you know, I love what you said, Molly, about digital transformation as a buzzword, because I, you know, I see that over and over again. And I think that, um, you know, what, what this pandemic has really done, and we're talking a lot about the pandemic, but what it's really done is brought to the forefront the fact that you know, maybe we're not as efficient. Maybe we need. Maybe we. Maybe we're not as efficient as we thought we were. Maybe we need to be able to be more adaptable in the future. And I think that you know this really highlighted that with with companies. They realized that. Um, you know we're not as efficient as we once thought we were. We need to be making these changes. We need to be proactive about making some of these technology transformation changes. Um, and I think that companies just kind of got by for a long time without addressing some of these. And I think that that has really changed. And I think that it's this this new way of thinking along the lines of you know, let's be proactive with this, opposed to you know having another event like this happen and then and then have to make changes. So yeah, I absolutely agree with with with, with everything you guys just said.
1: Thank you very much, Luke. Anthony, great conversation starter. Thank you for that. Anthony, would you like to say anything back to Molly and or to Luke? Go ahead.
2: No, I mean, perfect. I mean, I I like it.
1: Okay, good. Well, we're we're in agreement on agreement. I appreciate that. Thank you very Very much. Good. Let's go to Molly. Molly is gonna, we're gonna talk about statement number two here. Uh, And Molly, let me read this a little bit and then we'll see where we're gonna go with it. Molly says, she's quoting Guy Kawasaki. We've got a quote in the middle of this one. The hardest part of getting started is getting started. Business and finance transformation can be overwhelming. Yes, nobody denies that. And transformation projects can have long timelines finding ways to create early momentum by addressing the low hanging fruit is a key enabler to success. And that's what we're talking about today. Molly, go for it. Unpack, please.
3: Yeah, sure. I think, um, I stuck with the quote theme here today, um, but I think this one, you know, resonates in a lot of ways, right? The hardest part of getting started is just figuring out where the heck are you going to start? And I think, you know, when companies now that as they've embraced digital transformation, they know they need to find these new and innovative ways of doing things. They're overwhelmed by the sheer amount of opportunities and the sheer options of how they can do that and so you know oftentimes that looks like teams of people or consultants coming in to help map out a multi-year transformation and that's that's honestly the right answer many times but you know we are all dealing with a tremendous amount of sort of fatigue and change and burnout in our personal lives over the last year so to add that uh, at work as well in our professional lives having these long lengthy projects that are going to take up extra time can be really overwhelming. And one of the things I've seen, I think the office of the CFO do particularly well is, you know, help drive these projects forward by finding low hanging fruit. Um, you know, even though it, we mentioned that spreadsheets hopefully are are becoming, at least as a, as a primary tool, are becoming mm-hmm. a bit of a thing of the past. Um, There's still a lot of spreadsheets and the good news is, you know, controllers, CAOs, uh, finance leaders, they know that the low hanging fruit oftentimes is right there in those spreadsheets. And so getting their arms around some of the processes that take the most time, that suck the most capacity out of their talented resources and teams is a really good way to kind of jumpstart these broader transformations. I think as finance and accounting professionals, we're really well positioned to help lead our companies through these projects. And we can sort of be the change we want to see in the organization by by adapting some of our own processes quickly at the start.
1: Thank you, Molly. Great starter there. (laughs) <laughs> Luke Carlson. Luke, you didn't know, but you're sitting virtually next to Molly Boyle. So I'm going to call on you to please respond to her. Agree or disagree. Luke, your time yeah. for thought leadership. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually laughing a little bit because I'm being careful not to. This is one of the topics that I had later in the conversation. So I'm careful not to to talk about something and steal all my, my material. But <laughs> um, you know, I, I absolutely agree. I think that there's yeah, I just don't know if there's an appetite right now for companies to, to, to roll out multi-year implementations. I think that you know, the, the environment has changed so drastically over the past year, um, and I think there's always going to be a time and a place for a large ERP transformation or a, you know, a move from, you know, from, from, from an ERP to a new ER, ERP or an upgrade to an ERP. I think there's always going to be a time and a place for that. But I think, you know, like you said, Molly, what are, what are the low-hanging fruit? What are things that we can knock out in, 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 in two or three months? Um, you know, we need change now, we need to be able to see the, you know, that value to the business, you know, now and not, and not two, three years from now, like a lot of these longer implementations, because I think a lot of times we're sitting here talking about technology that by the time we go live, it's going to be drastically different than it is today. Um, so, you know, how can we decrease that, that, that value and, and decrease that value to implement and be able to get a solution out there quicker and faster um, and more efficiently. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with everything you just said.
1: Thank you, Luke. Anthony, you're up next. Agree or disagree with Molly and or with Luke. Go ahead, Anthony. I
2: agree. I, I will take maybe one segue. Um, I think what we are touching here is is, uh, is is very critical because we hear that a lot from our leaders. It's always this aversion to take risk and also always the focus on keeping the business continuity or deliver strong results quickly uh, because of, you know, a financial agenda or, you know, some some markets, uh, pressure, et cetera. So I think um, if I look at that, uh, what has really shifted and really completely accelerated, which was already the case, but it accelerated is the time to value that you need to have in any investment. So you need to really have that prioritization of your investment with some time to value element in it that's definitely the case and to Luke's point on, on the ERP or the implementation what's happening now is we have a lot of cloud solutions everywhere that are very easy to implement very easy also to uh, to, um, to plug in so to say to replace uh, you know uh, existing infrastructure uh, but you can also you know uh, benefit from a lot of uh, uh, new innovation along the way. And new features, which was also, di- which is also different from what we had in the past, because now with with a cloud-based uh, approach, you benefit from new innovation along the way as they uh, come through. And I think that's also a paradigm shift that is mitigating some of the risk aversion that we can see. Uh, and that's something to keep in mind when you talk about that: is keep your um, your business objectives coupled with your investments. That's for sure. But keep the element of time to value and keep the element of available innovation along the way to make sure that you also continue uh, to rise the trend and are not dependent on one solution or the other.
1: Thank you very much. Molly, good conversation starter. Sparker, I'm going to say. What do you think? Anything you want to say back to Luke and Anthony? Molly?
3: I think those are great additions. I, I agree with the the cloud trend. Mm. I think um, mm. I'll wrap that up by saying, you know, another thing we're seeing, I think, with these quick time to value and cloud solutions is it's not just that they're quick, but in addition to that, a lot of learnings and leading practices are sort of embedded in these solutions. So it's not even just totally replacing a previous process, but it's companies really rethinking and adopting these sort of better ways of doing things and using the technology to help them do that rather than building their old process into a technology. Um, So yeah, love those comments and, and agree. Thank you very much.
1: We're going to move on. Luke Carlson sent me the following statement. This is number one on your list. Let me read it. It's short and to the point, and then we'll ask you to unpack it. Luke says... The recent pandemic has highlighted companies' inefficiencies around reliable and accurate cash positioning and cash forecasting information. The problem many times is related to the lack of reliable real-time data or inefficient processes and less to do with the technology. Interesting point of view. Luke, unpack, please. Take your time.
0: Yeah. So 2020 was obviously a very interesting time for a lot of companies across the globe. Um, But from my perspective, one of the things I found most interesting was this sudden focus from organizations on cash positioning and cash forecasting um, and how to achieve greater accuracy in that process. You know, so one of the reasons I find this so interesting is that for the longest time, you know, companies would come to me and talk about, you know, the, the, the more exciting aspects of Treasury. They'd wanna talk about hedge management and exposure management, maybe credit risk, market risk, and all the associated reporting around around those different areas. Nobody wanted to talk about the boring topic, you know, boring topic like cash management. And then suddenly the pandemic hit and overnight companies' cash positions and cash forecasts were now inaccurate. They were unpredictable. They really had no idea where they were from a cash perspective. Um, and so now you have this new cash constricted environment where organizations are looking to cut costs and preserve cash whenever they can but at the same time they really have no idea where they are from a cash perspective um you know they've got these processes and technology that they had in place that they thought were were, you know actually pretty accurate um they thought that they were pretty efficient but they're realizing that they weren't um so you know i don't know if anything has really changed drastically um as a result of the pandemic from a cash management perspective but i think it's really highlighted the lack of reliable real-time data and and, in inefficient processes um, and an example of this that I see over and over again on the cash forecasting side is everybody wants to talk about an accurate and reliable forecast. Everybody wants to be able to to, to push a button and have this beautiful this beautiful cash forecast. But a lot of times, I think the problem is much, um, you know, is much more rudimentary than that. It's much more um getting down to the to how the business runs on a daily basis. So when we talk about a reliable cash forecast, uh, I like to always talk about you know what does your AP and AR process look like. You know, it's pretty difficult to build out a you know a solid cash forecasting process if we don't have really good AP and AR information and we're not doing a really good job of reconciling that information on a daily basis. So if we've got old stale data sitting out in the future, uh, we've got old, you know, old invoices mm-hmm. or we've got old invoices that aren't paid, um, and we don't have have that reliable data, it's pretty hard to build to build a, ca- a cash forecast or a cash position. So I think and at the end of the day, regardless of the technology that's used. Um, it comes down to having accurate, reliable data that can be consumed by your technology.
1: Interesting, interesting. Anthony, you are sitting digitally, technologically next to Luke, so I'm going to bring you up on speaker view. Anthony, thoughts on what Luke just shared with us? Go ahead, you're up.
2: Mm, sure. Yeah, so cash obviously took a front seat uh, for many um, senior executives, not only finance. So it became an imperative very quickly to have a solid balance sheet was critical um, in the early days of the crisis. Uh, but past that, I think some of the elements that were very important is what that Luke mentioned is the transparency that you need to have. Uh, when I started as a CFO, I, I needed to ask my treasurer about our positions. Today I have that at my fingertips mm-hmm. and that changed the game. Uh, and it was particularly relevant, not only for those who were who are trying to survive or trying to just protect, uh, you know, some continuity with the downturn. It was actually an opportunity for those that were um, dealing with hypergrowth, because we, we had also a lot of companies that benefited from, uh, you know, the disruption and they needed to have quick insight on their cash positions to also make acquisitions, investments, accelerating you know, their competitive advantage. And uh, so I see that also from an upside perspective. And again, today, we see a lot of m a activity, a lot of uh, things happening with startups, with the ecosystem, et cetera. So the lines are moving very fast. And uh, for that, you need to, to have on one end, obviously, the basics and uh, the efficiency in your cash management. You need to have a culture of manage, of uh, cash management, which I think a lot of companies realized that they didn't have, or maybe some that had that were in a better position uh, from the get-go. Uh, and obviously then the next one is how do you use that efficiently? And again, back to our point of prioritization and investments, um, you can keep that as a competitive advantage, I think. And But for that, you need to have transparency, uh, but you need also cash efficiency and and there's a lot going on on that front uh, in terms of you know um, um, automation, for example, and new uh, new solutions that we use where you can gain a lot of uh, cash efficiency also. And that helps you again to uh, to keep the the machine uh, growing and going. So I, I think uh, this element that we mentioned is, that connection between the culture of ma- uh, the, of cash management, but also the opportunity out there.
1: Thank you, Anthony. Molly, you're up. Talk to us. What do you think?
3: Sure. Yeah. Uh, really interesting points. I think they're all they're all really good ones. I'll add um, sort of a, a different angle. That's not an agreement or a disagreement um, on this, which I think is some of these cash challenges and, as Anthony suggested, cash opportunities really highlight. I think the interconnectivity of the office of the CFO and the importance, like Luke shared earlier, of having, whether it's technology, processes, or both, sort of connected um, real-time information. I think for so long, one of the most common ways that the office of the CFO or organizations in general have operated is, is, is siloed, right? You've got the treasurer over here. You've got shared services or accounting operations, managing AR and AP. You've got a, you know, corporate controllership, managing the clothes and all of these are sort of separate processes. And I think the past year has really highlighted how connected they are and how connected we all need to be within finance and accounting leadership so that we can position our companies to make these better business decisions right if we have one source of the truth and we've got efficiencies around applying cash or um, you know managing our payables and if we've got a closed process that is recording entries in real time rather than on day three at month end we're in a much better position to provide that real-time data that luke was highlighting so i think A lot of companies are really embracing um, the collaboration across these previously siloed parts of the office of the CFO, and I think that's going to be a big differentiator going forward.
1: Thank you, Molly. Luke, great conversation starter from you. Anything you'd like to say back to Anthony and or to Molly? Luke?
0: Um, Yeah, I I just think that, you know, in summary, there's, there's this increased awareness on on having really good data having really good efficient processes and i think it's it was it's always been important in theory but i think it's this is <clears throat> you know in light of recent events this is something that everybody really wants to focus on now and people are taking seriously and investing investment dollars in so i think that um yeah i think it's you know i think we're moving in there in the right direction from from that perspective and i think that, that that this is something that companies are actually you know investing money in and, and, and focusing on from a, from a technology perspective
1: Thank you. Good to know. Perfect for our topic today. Let's go to Anthony on picking your statement number two. Let's do a deep dive into what we used to call. New technologies, disruptive technologies, a lot of them have been around for years, but let's talk about them. Anthony says, there is a new generation of finance automation tools focused on productivity improvements, powered by, let me list them, artificial intelligence, we all know that as AI, machine learning, some people call it ML, RPA, that's robotic process automation, and IoT, Internet of Things, technology, among others. I'm going to stop there and let you expand this for us. Anthony, go ahead.
2: Yes, this goes back to, uh, to the point of um, where we are. So we, we have a lot of opportunities in terms of new things that technology has to offer in every dimension, in every function, especially in finance. Uh, and, but you, you need to have that end-to-end in terms of the value chain. Um, and that means that we've been focusing a lot on efficiency throughout the years and uh, especially in finance, I think you need then to evolve to how do you manage effectiveness of your organization? How do you transform your organization to really um, not only focus on this automation and the standards, but turn that into actionable insight, turn that into value to the business, etc. cetera. And, and for that, you need to have those embedded. Uh, because that frees up a lot of resources, that frees up a lot of time, and that gives you, uh, again, some, some time advantage. Uh, and we have many examples. You can take the example of closing the books. So if you close in a few days rather than in a few weeks, it's a big difference in terms of what you can do. But if you also have a more effective uh, you know, cash collection tool or treasury, uh, management, etc. So you can go on and on and risk management, then you can really focus. And uh, so again, I think there is that fine line between always looking at productivity, but I think that's more of this next gen of finance that I see where you expect uh, what you expect in your real life so that we have things accessible very quickly and you make something out of it. And, and again, back to the, the point earlier, you can focus on, on value-added tasks and focus on the customer experience and other things. And when I say customer experience, I mean also internally, what you mm-hmm. experience with, with your own functions. And back to uh, Molly's point on how do you uh, build the bridges and break the silos across the organization? It's also through those tools where a lot comes through the system, so to say, to the machine and through technology, and that enables a different conversation. And uh, I think that's a great opportunity, again, also for finance in that sense, is to leverage those technologies, not only for um, the basics, but also for the evolution of the function.
1: Thank you very much, Anthony. It almost sounds like it's an exciting field to work in. Yes, can you imagine kids in college saying, finance, I don't know, and my dad was a CPA, I'm talking not about me, my dad was a doctor, but talking about that and saying, yeah, did you know you get to work with Internet of Things and we'll talk about machine learning and there's RPA. What? Robotic process automation in finance? It sounds like it's an exciting place to work. Molly, why don't you respond? Agree or disagree with Anthony? I think I know which way you're going to go, but go ahead and then Luke, you'll wrap this one up. Go ahead, Molly.
3: Yeah, no, I'm really excited the conversation came here because I think talent and the the evolving roles in our, our part of the organization is is so top of mind right now and so important. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony touched on some of this, but I think for a while now roles have been evolving in accounting and finance. And I, for one, am thrilled to see accountants be less positioned as you know bean counters these days. Mm-hmm. Right? We're we're no longer just responsible for handing over a set of financial statements once a quarter. If if that's all we're doing, we are way behind. Um, you know, I talked to a controller not long ago, and I said, if you had to summarize you know, how your role has changed over the past several years, what would you say? And I loved his thoughts. He said, you know, what used to be my entire job is now really just the price of admission, right? I'm expected to be excellent. I'm expected to deliver all those accurate Mm -hmm. and on-time results, but that's a small piece of what I'm responsible for, right? I'm, I'm weighing in on transactions. I'm advising on important business decisions. And that's Exciting. I always try to bring uh, some optimism because I'm a glass half full kind of person. And I think, you know, this is a big opportunity for our field. We don't um, we don't have people coming in, new talent coming in, excited about working in binders and spreadsheets anymore. They expect, as Anthony suggested, a a better experience, a new way of working things. Right. Approving a journal entry on a mobile app or, you know, being able to. Sit in and be at the table for important discussions and meetings and to have a role in that. And I think these technologies, whether it's AI or machine learning or any of any of them, just, you know, technology in general is a huge enabler for this talent shift that we're seeing. And it's really exciting.
1: No longer relegated to the basement or the back room with the right. eye shade and the green banker's lamp. OMG. Luke, why don't you join us? What do you think about this? Go ahead, Luke.
0: Yeah, so I completely I completely agree with everything that was just said. I think, you know, just to kind of reiterate, I think that, um, you know, with just some of the advancements in finance, finance and technology and banking technology, uh, the strategic role of finance has changed drastically over the past five or 10 years. Um, you know, and then you bring in automation and machine learning, and I think that's displaced a lot of the day-to-day tasks that that you that you think of you know, when you think of a finance and treasury type role. So now it's you're getting into the office, and a lot of those manual tasks that you that you would have done five or ten years ago are done automatically, and now you can use that time to make better decisions. You know, better strategic decisions for for the business, for the cash position, for your forecasting, um, and I think. Yeah, I think it is definitely a really exciting time to be in the in the finance and treasury space, just given given the technology and in house change over the past the past few years. So, yeah, I completely agree with with everything that that, that Molly and Anthony just said.
1: Thank you very much. Anthony, anyone you say anything you want to say back to your co-panelists on that topic? I want to sneak in one more quick topic with Molly. I haven't even told her yet, but Anthony, go ahead. Anything you want to say uh, to them? I will just maybe
2: uh, pick one concrete example to illustrate that is if we think of forecasting, for example, if you have some predictive analytics capabilities and if you have some embedded, uh, you know, capabilities with, with um, analytics, that then you can really focus on what we call the art of science of forecasting, where you combine the science and what the system gives you and all the analytics that you have available, but then you need also to put some you know, um, sensitivity around that, your experience, your assessment of the risk, et cetera. And I think this is that combination that I'm looking for also uh, in terms of illustrating the, the value proposition, It's that combination.
1: Thank you very much. Good, good conversation around the table. Molly, I want to pick up one little tiny piece out of your statement number four before we wrap. We've only got four minutes left. Molly says, on a positive note, Many companies that closed their offices, their physical walk-in on-site offices, were forced to virtually close their books remotely for the first time, since everyone was working from home. And to their pleasant surprise, they realized they were capable of doing so. Molly, I think there's a really good, quick side note to to finish our conversation. I'm almost out of time. Molly, why don't you talk to me just real fast?
3: Yeah, I, I think this is, this is a good tie in back to the beginning of our conversation, which is, you know, for many, for many years, it really, as long as I've been in the profession, sort of the way we've always done it ha- has been a common, you know, a common thread and a common theme. And so this was the first time there was sort of a forced compelling event where, you know, we had no other option than to do things differently than how we'd done before, done it before. And I think, Again, many companies would have said there's no way we could do that, or you know, how are we ever going to sustain a virtual close? And what what people realized is, hey, this isn't all bad. And even mm-hmm. better, you know, I can't tell you how many accounting teams I, I heard from that said, we want to close virtually from now on. We don't have to commute. We don't have to eat pizza in the office at 10 o'clock <laughs> at night. We don't have to do all these different things that were, you know, always a part of this rigorous, repetitive schedule. And so, you know, not only did they realize that they could stabilize, but now they've realized maybe some of these sort of aspirational ways of doing things, these concepts like continuous accounting really aren't that far away. Um, You know, we can do this. And so I think that's been a really exciting sort of trend to watch is we got past the initial shock and now there's sort of a bigger and better appetite for continuing to embrace a new way of doing things.
1: Thank you very much, Molly. We don't have time for comments around the table, but we do have time for each of you to give me a 45 to 60 second maximum prediction on where we're going, all this. What's a wrap-up statement? And you've got my engineer is saying he wants pizza in his office at 10 o'clock at night. So we're all going to go to Phoenix and join Aaron at Voice America and have pizza with him. There you go. Anthony Coletta, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you. Why don't you just share one prediction for us, please, on where you see this all going? Just a quick wrap-up from you. Anthony?
2: Thanks, Bonnie. It's been a pleasure, too. Uh, yeah, so one... Easy prediction I would say is that I think that dichotomy between tech and non-tech is going away, is fading away. We have uh, now really an opportunity to uh, embrace the the growth that is ahead of us. And if if I see finance as an architect of growth, I think there's opportunity there to really embrace that uh, technology and evolve and go more analytical, but also to make the talent as a key capacity to build around. Uh, So we need to build capacities and make sure we invest in talent so that we invest in continuous learning of our people to make that uh, function evolve and take advantage of the value proposition. And uh, yeah, so, and then the digital experience in that context, I think will be uh, one key prediction from my my perspective of success.
1: Thank you, Anthony, it all comes down to people. Molly Boyle, I'm going to put you up. Why don't you give us a, we got less than 30 seconds. Go ahead, Molly, up to you.
3: I'll be super quick. I think uh, going forward, you're going to see those finance and accounting folks who previously were hesitant to change, you're going to see them flip the switch and start leading change instead. Um, I think, you know, just as I suggested in in that previous short discussion, they, they now know what they can do and what their teams mm-hmm. are capable of. They're excited about it. And I think they're going to be the ones leading and driving a lot of this going forward.
1: Thank you, Molly. Luke, one sentence prediction, you're up.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's gonna change, um, it, you know, to piggyback on what Molly said around financial close, everybody's sitting in a room eating pizza, I think the same thing is gonna go for technology transformation projects and be able to retain really good talent, get all the, mm-hmm. all the right resources, not necessarily in a room, but virtually, and, and do an entire project virtually. So I think that's gonna be the big change we see in 2021.
1: Thank you. And my takeaway, Anthony, is sustainable resilience. That's my takeaway from all the brilliance the three of you shared. I'm gonna say thank you to Anthony Coletta at SAP and Emily Fuss on your team for support. Molly Boyle at Blackline, always a pleasure. Luke Carlson at Carlson Cash, so nice to meet you and hope you'll all come back. Thank you again to sponsors, Birgit Starman's, Chris Grundy, Pras Chatterjee. Shout out to Aaron Keller at Voice America, the Business Channel team, my engineer extraordinaire. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? By the way, my car is getting two months to the gallon now. How's yours doing? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Anthony, just like Molly, just like Luke. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Everybody wave. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.